Welcome to Performance Anxiety. If you're new to the show, we're just a casual talk with creative people about how they got to where they are. We usually get some great stories along the way, and this week we speak with Chris Kang and Ray Knipe of Huntsman. The music is like if Crosby, Stills, and Nash made a doom metal album. They tell me how they got started, their unique songwriting viewpoint, and how mental health issues play an important role in the band. They've done some unusual collaborations, like with Brimminghorn Meadery and Metal Monkey Brewery. Check out their recent release, Mandala of Fear, on Prosthetic Records. Check out their website, HuntsmanDoom.com, for all their social media accounts. Follow us at Performance ANX, rate, review, and share. Let's get on with the show and Huntsman. Hi, we are Ryan Chris from Huntsman. All right, all right, here we go. We're just gonna, we're just gonna should do. I this. Look, should I look, look away? Sometimes it makes no, people no, uncomfortable. Like, like, uh, like I'm, I'm, one, two, three. I'm Chris. I'm, I'm Ray. Ray. I'm Huntsman. <laughs> and this is performance anxiety. <laughs> uh, we are Huntsman. We're very pleased to be on performance anxiety. You must have known uh, about us before asking us to be on the show, since it's called performance anxiety. <laughs> we have an album, Mandala Fear, coming out March 13th. If it's not already out by the time you hear this, and uh, we love you. I don't know whose artwork is behind you guys, but I love it. Oh, yeah. That's a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude. Bikini tops and dogs. I mean, that's that's just great. You can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. And I want to thank you guys for coming on tonight. So the way I found out about you guys was, was kind of interesting because I did a show with the guys from Brimminghorn Meadery. Yep. And uh, we were talking about different types of meat and the meat and metal series that they did. And uh, I was telling them what kind of meat I liked because I didn't, I didn't. I actually didn't know what kind of meat I liked, but they were describing some of the ones that they've done. And I was saying, all right, well, you know what? I I like currants. I like uh, this. I like that. And like, oh, okay. You guys got you got to talk to uh, Huntsman. <laughs> so I'm like describing what meat I like, and they're like, you guys got to you, you got to check out this band. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, okay, so so that's how I found out about you guys. Um and I haven't tried your mead yet, but how did you guys actually end up hooking up with Brimminghorn and, and doing a mead? Which so for if and that episode at the time of this recording, I'm gonna qualify that. That episode hasn't been released yet. But for so for those who haven't heard it, which is everybody at this point, mead is just a a type of honey wine and uh the basic ingredients are honey, water, and yeast, but they did a whole series of mead and metal with metal bands. How much input did you guys have on the flavors, and and how did they did they approach you? Did you approach them to do it? How did that all come about? So it kind of started. Jr. I think um, has just been friends with our representative at Prosthetic Records, Steve, okay. and. So I think they kind of toss ideas around to each other. And when we released our first album, American Scrap, um, those guys reached out to us. And it kind of started as just like, listen to this band. This is good. Like them posting on Twitter or whatever. And then... a big uh, uh, alcohol <laughs> it's not limited to, wait I think there's a word for that I can't put my finger on it <laughs> but so Kirill started just being like oh cool like I like mead you know this seems really cool these guys seem cool they like us so he kind of reached out and was just like we should collab and then immediately the Birminghorn guys were just like yeah let's do it so we started tossing around ideas and uh, the first thing they 
they wanted from us is they're like, what's your idea for your mead? You know, like, are you trying to think of a theme? Are you trying to think of a feeling that could, it could evoke? Do you have flavor profiles, all that stuff. Okay. So we just kind of started talking to them about the themes of the album and kind of this, um, well, Chris, you could probably speak to that better than I could. Yeah, what are the, um, so what are the themes of the, the um, and American scrap is your first full length and it came out what year? Yeah. 2018. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's right. Yeah. We had a couple of, uh, couple of EPs before that. Right. Um, but scrap was the first full length. Yeah. Um, American scrap is, it's got kind of like, a like Americana meets like doom metal kind of thing going on right. where there's, yeah, like some sort of like folky stuff. And, uh, uh, I don't know, like kind of some more like sort of uh, creepy, quieter, you know, like old, old, old feeling sort of tones and, and sentiments. Um, and essentially, we just use that like the same way that we use like the heavy music is they're just like dynamic um, uh, angles. You know, okay. there's like, ways of like, uh, you know, like I like being quiet or loud. Right. Right. right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like to be page says the 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 light in the shade. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that one, um, I don't know, kind of like ends up being like a little bit about just like sort of like Rust Belt America and like this kind of like weird parallel timeline that ends in this sort of like dystopian, you know, thing with like the whole like nuclear apocalypse and all that good stuff. But it kind of uh, ends a pretty long time frame. Um, and it, uh, it kind of like starts around like, um, I don't know, just like uh coal mining in Appalachia, like early days. Like I, I grew up in Virginia. And so somehow that's just like weirdly like part of my subconscious. Oh, you know? Okay. So, so I got to stop you there for one second. Where yeah. in Virginia did you grow up? Uh, Richmond. Yeah. Oh, okay. I live in Winchester. So I'm doing, Oh the- no way. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. So I'm doing yeah. the show from Winchester right now. So. Oh, sweet. All right. Right on. Yeah. I know where that is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I had to find that out. So. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I always like I always love running into people from Virginia because I don't know. They usually don't venture into the Midwest or <laughs> you know, don't normally run into them. I yeah. Know when I was up, like, I, I, if you were to like ask me where Chicago was, I'd be like, because you got like your East Coast, <laughs> you got left. your West, and then yeah, yeah, it's like somewhere in the middle. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Right. So, but yeah, uh, so that, that then translates, you know, into what the mead could be, you know, mead is kind mm-hmm. of a, a, a really old, you know, ancient even form of making alcohol. Right. So yeah, that yeah. kind of fits into this too. And, you know, this like cherry mead aged in bourbon barrels, you know, bourbon, obviously. Uh, yeah, I know. Good. Mm. Right. I got to get so, me some of your stuff, man. And, it, you know, they just kind of translates to this like, Rust Belt, you know, a little bit South Americana vibe. And immediately when we kind of started talking about this, those guys started spitting out ideas like crazy. That's awesome. And um, immediately every single thing that they, you know, were asking us about, we're like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds- <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kirill came up with this like uh so you just Kirill the the alcohol guy. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Who by the way is the only person I've ever known to say I like mead just yeah. out of the blue. <laughs> well, he's like he's like he's just a big like um connoisseur. connoisseur. Like he loves like going to breweries and like keeping track of, you know, like that that type of stuff and oh, so nice. This is like right up his alley, even though it was mead and he didn't have a lot of exposure to it. Uh, he just likes the whole process of like the, and the ritual behind it and everything, you know? Okay. And, um, so he just decided, uh, we basically let him run with it because it was like in his wheelhouse and okay. so he was working <laughs> with the brimming horn guys. And, uh, he was like, Oh, I want to call this thing the last breath and, uh, kind of relate it to like this whole like nuclear fire thing. Right. Okay. And then, they were like, okay, uh, Chris, write a quote for it too. And they're like, I don't know, I'll drink mead by the fire. And we like, kind of ended up like finding some cool way to like tie it into like how like fires, like man's relationship with fire through the ages and how it like sustained us and then it'll destroy us and all wow. this crazy shit, you know? Um, but like the cool, I guess the, the fun part is that then like Brimminghorn had an artist, I think, right, who um, ended up taking on like the, the, uh, bottle art and like did this weird grim scene with a bunch of like hooded figures with like, just like fire consuming them and all this stuff. And so it ended up like really feeling like a collaboration. And my favorite thing about that 
and then also like this later collaboration that we're working on. I don't know if I can, I can talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. With um, like metal monkey, um, brewery is, uh, it like lets these people who are like big metal fans and just big music fans, like contribute to the story in a weird way. Oh, cool. Um, because like they get involved they go like, what's this about? Like what kind of like feeling should it have? And so when they, when they make their, uh, you know, like meat or they make their beer and it like kind of lines up with a record. It's like, it's like part of the canon of it, I guess, in a way, you know, that so. is awesome. And then, you know, you've got something you can connect with, with your fans there too. They, yep. they can go out and find this mead or, or the beer and then say, you know what, these guys had a hand in this and it, it's kind of a, a, a completely new way to connect with you guys. Yeah. 100%. And, and a true yeah. collaboration, you know, like, I always wonder sometimes you see bands collaborating mm -hmm. on certain things. You're like, did they really have a, a hand in this creation, you know, yep. in, in the direction or anything? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe I'm just wrong about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> Were they just paid something to use their name yeah. in it? Yeah. Hard to suss that it, out. It could yeah. be. It could be. Yeah. And that's why for us, you know, like, that's one of our really big things is if we we're going to collaborate with somebody or something – you know, we want it to be a part of our, our message and we want to have a hand in it and not to take anything over, but to just truly, you know, let both parties, um, feel satisfaction from the creation, I guess. Yeah. Make it a true collaboration. Yeah. If this is like, if you guys will indulge me in this, like something that like occurred to me that I really like about this whole process is like, sure. uh, Huntsman's like approach to music tends to be really like narrative and kind of, we like do like to do like a bunch of storytelling stuff. And, uh, you know, like something that is clearly just sort of a problem of, of our age is that everybody's just like more and more disconnected and like storytelling is a thing that connects people. Mm -hmm. And so this in a way is just like uh, a way of c connecting people, like you said, and like just just like trying to go against this pattern and this trend of separate isolating ourselves and figuring out how to like bring ourselves back together with like a common story or something you know well that is a great point because with social media and everybody tends to think we're all connected but we're actually more disconnected because you're in front of your phone the entire time people are posting you, you, you know you've got a screen name it's not your face it, it may be a you know a picture of uh, you know in, <laughs> instead of you it could be a picture of some girl in a bikini with a dog you know, <laughs> you know, I might just have that on yeah. one of my. <laughs> so, so you you're not actually communicating with people. It, you're you tend to be more of an asshole to people because you have that anonymity, even though you're in a group. You know, you're connected globally, but I don't think you're actually connected. So well, yeah, and you're putting you're, you're putting on a facade too when you're when you the photos that you you post, the things that you say, you're thinking about it. You know, it's not coming naturally as in a conversation you're yeah. you're meticulously picking out these things to show people to just you know look at me i'm having a great time yeah. i get to go to fucking the uk or whatever it is my life you is know? amazing yeah yeah you're always picking out the best unlike the intro that you guys are going to do later people <laughs> are picking out the best of the of their stuff i like That's to right. pick the worst step i can't wait to see what you come up with <laughs> It's going to be like word for word, just like, that, you know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> but the, the thing is, and, and going back to the collaborations that you guys are doing, I can, I can totally picture people telling stories while drinking your mead or drinking the Huntsman beer, you know, and it is sitting down. Outside, maybe there's a campfire going. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're just having a nice meal outside and just telling stories with the beer or the mead that was co uh, the collaboration with the band, whose main purpose is to tell stories. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I think like uh, like in that vein, um, one of the really kind of sweet things that happens along with these collaborations is uh, you know, without fail, basically, we find some way to like hook up with um, like Brimming Horn or with Metal Monkey. So like. With Brimming Horn, uh, they came to Chicago to play a Chicago all-metal um, festival like year before last, right, called Forever Death Fest. And it was a lot of bands that, uh, like a few bands that they'd actually collaborated with, including Huntsman. And they just brought like a, a 
like box full of mead and set up in the green room and everybody's just hanging out and we're just drinking everybody's mead and like (laughs) listening to loud ass music. And like, it was just such a warm time. And then later we uh, ended up going to Milton, Delaware, which is where the meadery is. And it's like, you know, it's like kind of out of the way and, um, and, but they just have this like awesome tight little community there and they all came that their community all came out to like, you know, celebrate like this Viking fest that they do. And like, we happen to be playing it and like the, the warmth and like the, uh, the, the sort of like feeling of like communal, like kind of togetherness mm-hmm. was just different than most things that you can get into in life. You oh, know? even in the most basic way, like while yeah. we're playing, there's families and like children running around dancing and stuff. And we're just like playing this, you know, pretty <laughs> aggressive, heavy music. Right. They loved it. They stayed, we played for like an hour and a half. Oh, and wow. And they were just there the entire time watching us, you know, yeah. it was, it was really, really cool. That is fantastic. I love those guys. Um, after we recorded, they, uh, they, they said, what's your address? So I gave them my address and they just, they sent me two bottles of mead to, to try. Cause I said, you know, I remember when I was a kid, my dad, and this show is like half of, half of the show is going to be about mead. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> I remember my dad getting me a bottle of mead and I'm thinking, this is disgusting. This is, it's, <laughs> and, and, and I told the guy that very much, I said, you know, my only experience is with some weird shit. My dad got me when I, I like, had just turned 21. I was, I was reading, you know, Lord of the Rings and uh, all yeah, kinds. Yeah. So he just bought me meat. You know, mead's not readily accessible in most places. So he, he yeah. thought, okay, well I'll support my sons. You know, at least he's not on drugs and, and, doing all kinds of crazy stuff right. and, and, and you know get him hammered. yeah i'll get him some mead he can drink it at home and i drank and i had it i was like this isn't anything like i thought it was gonna be so i told him the guys and and so like oh all right here we're sending you some stuff and uh, they sent me the um just the the regular honey wine and they sent me that i know i'm gonna get this the, the svartle bar the the one with currents in it Oh, I, know, I also don't know the name, but I know the one you're talking about because yeah. like currants, like whoa, yeah, it's it's delicious. It is, it is amazing. That is out of the two that I've tried, that is my favorite. So yeah, yeah. So all right, so I want to get more into you guys and a little less into into the mead. So I found out that <laughs> your bassist plays the tuba, and I oh, wanted yes. to, yep. I wanted to find out about you guys. Did you start off on an instrument maybe that wasn't the guitar or the drums? Was, was there is there something a well, little like, different in your musical history? Yeah, we're all tub- tubists, all yeah. of us actually. Uh, we met at tuba camp. Nice. My son no, plays the tuba. I'm No, but for me, like um, my entire family is musicians. Okay. My dad was a band director, a high school band director for 40 years. He wow. just re- retired a couple years ago. He was a trumpet player. My mother plays oboe and piano. My older brother plays sax and guitar and bass and keyboard. And my younger brother plays trumpet and piano. They're all extremely good. Wow. So me growing up, like I, I took piano lessons, um, you know, which I, uh, you know, I hated for a really long time. I hear that from everybody. Everybody, I start off on piano and I hated it. I know. And my mom always said, she's like, you're going to thank me one day. And sure enough, here I am. Thank you, mom. You <laughs> and it made me a better person. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Aww. All right, Chris, what, what about you, man? Is there something something in your uh, musical past? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I do want to point out that like Ray is just like full of the best surprises. Like we uh, went to his uh, house in Michigan when we were on a tour for American Scrap. And, you know, of course, they've got like the piano set up and Ray just starts playing ragtime. I'm like, I didn't know you could fucking do that. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So Ray can play some some mean ragtime, mm-hmm. yeah, which is nothing it. that any of us expected. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, yeah, that you was, know, that was uh, yeah. you know what that means? Because see, I, I spent about a decade in Alabama. My yeah. brother graduated from the University of Alabama. My college didn't have a football team. I went to Rochester Institute of Technology for photography. So we're a bunch of geeks not very athletic so no football team. they had a hockey team rugby and baseball and that's about it and uh so i i just kind of adopted my brother's team and uh became a fan and i was like leonard skinnard but it, you get a whole new appreciation for it once you're down there 
But the one thing that I noticed is that they the piano sounds a, a lot like ragtime piano in like every single one of their songs. Oh maybe, yeah. Maybe that's something you guys should do. Do like a Leonard Skinner cover. And Ray can <laughs> do the piano. <laughs> I mean like I one of my favorite things about the band is like there's not a lot that's off limits. It's like <laughs> if it all if it somehow lends itself to like a story we're trying to tell or something it's, it's on the table. There yeah, we we worked Good idea. Up, Thanks. Uh, we worked up some uh, some CSNY stuff just to possibly cover. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to bring this up a little later once we get into some of the the details. But I was listening to uh, right uh, out. Yeah, 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 right out. I, I knew it. Was, I'm like run out. No, no, it starts with an R. Why my brain is? I'm. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> right out. That to me is amazing. It's it, it's it's got like this. See it, Crosby Stills Nash vocal harmony. It's it's kind of like if CSNY were playing with Pelican or something. It's it's incredible. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love it. Is that something that that you guys have had from the beginning? That this the vocal harmonies have that always played a big role in the songwriting. It does now, um, but it didn't in the beginning, um, and it really didn't until Ray joined because Ray can sing and scream and growl, and it's cool. And um, Mark, you know, the bass player can also sing. And okay. uh, Mark and I would occasionally do like two part harmonies, but when we figured out Ray could sing, we're like, oh, well, we got to do this. Like yeah. it's just. I mean, it was just kind of like, uh, it was almost like uh, the tool is there, so let's see what we can do with the tool. Yeah. And it, that's basically how it manifested, is is because I think like when, um, I don't know, I think, I feel like for my part, a lot of the, the, the things where I was like, ah, oh, we should do a stacked harmony like here, um, I definitely, just like in the back of my mind, was like, like thinking like CSNY type stuff, like just something about it just feels so like good and and like like soulful and like weirdly gut-wrenching and already doing heavy music and it's like well let's just add this to the mix and see what happens and we were like really happy with it and then now we brought um amy into the band as well and she's also an incredible singer so we can do like four-part harmonies we can like do like three-part harmonies with some screams going on it's just like a the tool in the bag to try and get the point across, you know? Yeah. You know what? I, I remember too, there was a time I went, I think I went to Denver riot fest, the last Denver riot fest. And I was, you know, pretty hammered. <laughs> and, uh, and the, the headliner the first day was Deftones who I've loved forever. Nice. I'd never seen. And I, I watched Deftones and literally like, you know, everyone obviously was, you know, played so good. But their their dynamics like just like shook me because they could get so delicate, and then when they got heavy, they literally shook the fucking ground. Wow! Like the entire ground, and there's mountains behind me, and it was like the best moment. It was one of the best things I'd ever seen. And I remember coming back to Chicago and going to practice, and not to just say we we need to do this. I was like, listen, guys, I saw the Deftones. And now we need to play like the Deftones. No. <laughs> but the one thing that I, I really wanted to like communicate to these guys was that, you know, dynamics need to be our friend because we can do it, you know, and yeah. we can really delicate and we can get really heavy. And we, have, we at the same time, we had also started messing around with harmonies. I'm just like, these are the things that I think, it, from my opinion, are going to make us, you know, not just another doom band, not just another stoner band where, let's be honest, you know, a lot of them, you know, very sound very similar to each other. Yeah, not a bad thing. You know, you you like what you like. But yeah, exactly. We can do more. You know, and we, I want to do more. And I always want to push the envelope and try to figure out new ways to to create new sounds. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was going to be one thing I wanted to ask you was that was that the the band ha- has this 
amazing dynamic of of uh, varied vocals you know you got you've got the the screaming and the growling but then you've also got the beautiful singing i mean there, there are times um i'm trying to remember i think it was on the second ep the colonel where once uh one song i think maybe it's you chris singing it, it sounded like michael giraffe from swans oh was, right on. yeah sure yeah, yeah. Was, i was like at his at his most delicate because He's another guy that, that can do both, where he can just be completely menacing and then go into a snarl and then do something absolutely beautiful in the same song. Yeah, I love I love Swans and I love his voice. It's fucking cool. And, and thanks. That's a great comparison. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is related kind of to your question about like what instruments did you guys play when you were younger? So I also okay. took my lessons. Also hated it. Uh <laughs> But uh, like kind of related to that, I, the reason I took piano lessons is because my dad was just like really, really into classical music. And um, he was like, that's what you should do. He's just always listening to like classical music records. And I also hated that at the time. Um, but uh, and, and like um, I went to a school that actually had like music classes that would actually like dissect like, you know, um, uh, the pieces like class- pieces of classical music. So we'd listen oh. to like Peter and the Wolf. And they'd be like, you hear that oboe? That's the wolf. And you're like, wait, wow. the oboe is the wolf? And so, like, you just, like, it, like, kind of created in the back of my mind this, like, idea that uh, different instruments or different tone out, like, tonalities or um, different, just, like, any different way of, like, expressing or articulating or vocalizing or playing something can, like pretend to be something that's like an element of a story, whether it's a character or the weather around it or like a thing in the scene. And like, you just have all these like, like little Lego pieces that you can like put together into this cool story. So, um, and that I kind of like filed away cause I hated it at the time <laughs> in my mind. But then like when we started like doing the vocal harmonies and like we had this like really big, you know, like range of, uh, you know, like really soft music, sometimes really acoustic to like really loud music. And then you got like clean singing and you've got screams and like all this stuff. It just started to like, like click that. It's like, this is like Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. It's just, you just have all these little things that you can just put together and suggest something at somebody and trust people to like get it, you know? So with that knowledge that you guys have, you're able to tell the story with, the, the lyrics that you've written, but you're also telling the story with the music that you're writing. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this has been, uh, or actually became a much bigger part in how we write too. Like Chris okay. will start with a riff or something or a lyric or whatever, a melody. And immediately he's saying, well, this is where I want the story to go. And then we have to think, well, how can we convey that story purely with instruments and then maybe we'll add vocals later on or, or whatever, you know, wow. depending on the song. And then we say, well, how can we enhance the story by doing this? You know, is this a sad part of the story? Is it a happy part of the story? And, and the, the melodies that come out of that are purely based on what we want to say, you know, without actually saying it. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One thing I really love um, doing um, when we write songs is to like use the fact of an instrumental because like I love Pelican and I love Russian Circles like they're oh, some yeah. of my very favorite bands in the way they can tell a story with just instrumentals you know yeah uh, but uh, since we we aren't just instrumental or just not instrumental like one thing that I really I uh, found that we sort of ended up doing that I really like is um, to kind of have a like a lyrical portion that sort of like plants the seed of some story or like kind of like suggest something okay. and then a long instrumental part that just sort of is like, now go think about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause like for me anyway, like when I'm listening back to it, as we're writing it, it like, it's like space to reflect on what I just heard somebody say to me, um, with the music creating a backdrop to it, you know, the instrument. So that is fantastic. I love bands that understand that the music needs to breathe a little bit and you know, you don't cool. need to, to hammer the message into everybody. You know, some people you do, yeah me, yeah, me sometimes, <laughs> me, but not all the time. So right, yeah. So yeah. giving the music that that space is really crucial, especially if you're telling a story. Right on. Yeah, I really like. I definitely like a big goal of mine is to just engage people and to like ignite imagination because uh, that was just such a big thing that like helped me like fucking survive my childhood. It was just like keeping my imagination going. You know. Yeah. Um, not to be like super dramatic, but you know, 
Uh, <laughs> shout, shout out to the like, oh, But uh, yeah, uh, but like I, I love the thought of like uh, that we everybody has everybody has an imagination and it's like waiting to show them stuff. And like if you can spark it, that's just one of the coolest things you can do. You know? Here's another thing too. Like I remember when I was yeah, I don't know twelve or so or something. I used to play Diablo a lot. Oh, I remember <laughs> um, that. Right. And when I was at that time, like I was really into kind of classic metal, like, uh, you know, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Slayer and Ozzy Osbourne and and all these bands. And I used to listen to it while I played Diablo. And now I, if I ever think of Diablo, I think of these bands, but then on the same flip, if I listen to just the bands, I think of not only Diablo, but I think of, my childhood and where I was yeah. and like what I was thinking about and what I was doing. And I mean, this is a little bit different than what we're talking about, but it's one of those things it's where it's just yeah. literally this music um, is not just, I mean, even these classic metal songs, you know, a lot of them are kind of aggressive pop songs, really, you know, they're structured as such. Right. And e- even in that context, it still can take me back and change the way I was thinking. And even today, you know, I still, I still feel that. I think it's a really cool thing. Oh yeah, I love it. I mean, music is it's it's an indelible part of your youth. You, you know, I'll I'll transition it to this way. I loved um, Dio era Sabbath. I mean, everybody loves Ozzy Sabbath, but I also love the Dio era Sabbath. Oh yeah. I, I've been listening to your. Well, I won't say cal. By the time this comes out, it'll be your back catalog because the, the new album will be out. But I've been listening to a lot of the older stuff, and oh. I was listening to the songs of. Especially the beginning of the song Pyre. And that reminds me so much of like Sign of the Southern Cross. Too many voices fall. Each of them calling. And then, so then I started thinking about that song and then I started thinking about what I was doing when I first heard that, when I got that album, you know, how old was I and and what I was doing. So your, your music made me start to think about being a kid again, even though, you know, you wrote the song like two years ago. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's amazing. That's great. That's literally exactly what I had hoped. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Now we're done. Close, close awesome. the left. Hey, <laughs> if I get to get you guys to do that that bad intro, uh, so right, so how did you guys meet to form the band? And is there anything behind the name Huntsman? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll roll with this. Um, <laughs> so Mark, yeah, it was like kind of a, a slowly pieced together sort of thing. Mark and I uh, met really early on when both of us moved to Chicago. That was around like 2006. Okay, so so what took you from Virginia to Chicago? Uh, a job. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I came here to work somewhere. I worked. Uh, it was like a. I, I work in like IT and tech and stuff like that. So it was like a tech okay. job. And, um, uh, I quit like four months after I started, but, <laughs> but now I'm here. So uh, yeah, uh, Mark was uh, one of my first. He was like. He was a roommate in like this like four bedroom like place that I uh, was was the first living place here. So okay. um, yeah, we just found out that each other played music, and at some point we just started kind of jamming songs together, and uh, we formed kind of like a little bit more of like a, I guess like an like an alt, alt grunge rock kind of band for a while. Okay, and that's where we ended up picking up Kirill, who's the other guitarist, the um, Mead Lover. In, oh, what's that? Sorry, the yeah, Mead the Lover. Mead. You love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The alcohol uh, connoisseur. <laughs> friend of friend of the of the of the drink. Yes. Um, yeah, he was in another band. His band broke up. He ended up joining us playing guitar and we had a couple of different drummers. And at some point we were just like, uh, we really want to be playing heavier stuff. Like we all had like this background in it that we just weren't really like uh, get playing at all um, with the music that we were playing. That was like, kind of more like, a little grungy. Yeah, and at some point, uh, essentially, like we were looking for a drummer, and 
uh, Mark New Ray through Chicago Music Exchange, where they were both working, and Ray joined. And uh, yeah, my favorite thing about that whole whole thing is like usually if you're a band and you're trying out a drummer, they like show up and they're like, "Okay, what do you want me to play?" And you're like, "Okay, so here's a song. You play the song." Like Ray just showed up like with all of our songs already learned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's so we're like, damn, uh, we're good enough for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And like, it just kind of, I don't know. I haven't really like felt this, uh, like much, like much like belonging in something or like that. We like, we just like click really well. We get along really well together. I don't know. We just vibe really well, like between us. So there's uh, another yeah. thing too, like, uh, especially with Amy joining, Amy is my uh, partner for almost 10 years now. Oh, wow. And, she and I, she's given me full permission to talk about this. Um, she has quite a bit of mental health issues that she kind of deals with on a regular basis. And right when she, uh, we started talking about getting her more involved. The first thing that everyone said to her without any prompting is, um, you don't have to do anything more than you're comfortable with. You can take on as small or as big of a role in the band as you want. And because everyone and this is like me excluded basically because these guys were so accepting of that and so understanding about mental health and what that means and anxiety and everything together that she felt, you know, that, you know what, maybe I can do this because I am surrounded by people who actually understand where I'm coming from. They're not going to judge me. They're not going to, you know, change the way we do anything or talk to each other around her. You know, we're all just a big group together. And, and even more so now that we're, you know, balls deep in fucking all this PR stuff and getting (laughs) ready and doing everything. It's a pun. Um, it's, you know, it gets really stressful. And Amy tells me, she's like, I'm so glad that I can be a part of something where everyone is so understanding and gracious and, and never, or I guess is, is more conscious about how each other is feeling, you know, at, at, given moment you know if anyone for a second says like i'm not feeling up to it we're all like cool man hope you're doing good what's up like <laughs> yeah. mark michael yeah. mark will call me up and be like hey you want me to bring you a joint or something <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah and, and it's important you know especially if you're going to be on the road with a band like i've you know done a little bit of touring in my day and it gets extremely stressful you know especially yeah. with, with your close <laughs> friends that makes it even worse because you're your opinions are just out there, you know, and you can just let it rip because it's your friend, you know, you don't yeah. kind of like back or anything. And it's, uh, it's hard sometimes. So that's, that's one of the uh, recurring things I hear a lot doing this show is that you've got to love the people in your band, because when you're touring, you're going to be spending 24 hours a day with them for months on end. So you better, you better like these people that you're hanging out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were uh, when we were in the studio for Mandala, Fear, the the record that that we're trying to put out, um, Sanford Sanford Parker, who was um, uh, engineering it for us, like at some point, um, we were like, we would have like within the band, like kind of like like slightly tense moments of like, I, I think that was supposed to like go a little differently. And like at some point we're like Sanford, sorry if like this is like a lot of drama or something for you. And he's like, "Are you kidding? Most fans hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys are like the most like diplomatic band that I've ever seen." <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. So um, now is Amy the uh, the president at the end of American Scrap? Yeah, that's her. Yeah. Okay, that that song is amazing. That yeah. whole album is incredible. I, I mean, I wish I had found it when it came out. Well, I just just found out about it uh, not too long, you know, through the Birmingham guys. So. Yeah, yeah, right on. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I mean, that's Thanks. like our, our yeah. first album, first full length. And, you know, with this kind of thing, like, we weren't a band seeking 
um, to do anything more than really just be a local band. Like we had fun playing and we just wanted to play shows and that was about it. Yeah. And, um, Steve at prosthetic approached us when we, uh, we played with the band chemists and, um, he just kind of gave us his card and he's like, I've been watching you for a little while, you know, give me a call. Maybe we could work something out. And as we started thinking about it, you know, we all just came to the conclusion that's like, yeah, you know what, we should try to do some more stuff, you know, let's play some more shows. Let's be a little bit more of a serious fan. And then Amy, um, you know, we, we got her involved a little bit, you know, and she sang on the last president and then this album came and we still weren't, uh, she wasn't a full-time member at that point when we recorded this album. Okay. Um, but, but she just got involved more because of the, the themes of this album in general, um, which we could, Chris could probably talk about more, but then after the album was basically recorded is when we said, you know what, like you, you give us this really, uh, rich dynamic that we were missing, you know, yeah. and with involved, like it, um, we can just do so much more, you know, another, another tool in the, in the toolbox. Yep. Yep. So with your expanding sound and progressing sound and the addition of Amy on vocals, do you still got, do you guys still consider yourself post-apocalyptic cowboy metal? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> How many bands are in that genre? <laughs> Not that there might just be one. Yeah, that's all. No, no, there's, there's, I think there's probably a lot. <laughs> there's probably a lot, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, I can't conjure them to mind, but like some, sometimes like that, like kind of like, like, I don't know, like folky, like kind of country twangy vibe in metal. Like you do see that crop up, like even Mastodon, like fucking Brent Hines is like a, was just a banjo player. And like, he's like playing banjo on his like electric guitar, you know? For a lot of, like, you know, yeah. I mean, I've been getting these guys to listen to, like, a lot of Opeth, too, right now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they they run the gambit, too. And I'm, yeah. I'm still just saying, I'm like, dude, they can do so many different <clears throat> things, you know. This is, like, such a, an amazing band that we can, like, aspire, you know, to. Oh, yeah. Damnation is one of my favorite albums. That That is an incredible piece of art. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So you guys didn't tell me, is there anything behind the name Huntsman? Or was that just something, like, we got to come up yeah. with a name? Uh, uh, it was like, we got to come up with a name and also we're going to try and do the post-apocalyptic cowboy metal thing. Right. Cause like, uh, yeah, earlier on it didn't have like very cohesive, uh, like themes to it because it was just like a sandbox for us. Okay. Uh, you know, like, let's just make these little like vignettes, like these little stories about people who like survived the apocalypse and like what's life like for them and, and kind of like a walking dead sort of way, you know? Okay. And, uh. Yeah, and like a kind of the the, the first story that um, that uh, sort of I don't know revealed itself I guess uh, was off of our first EP is the song called Hunt for Food Not Sport. pictured it as this like crazy old bean eaten dude out in the middle of the desert like losing his mind from like radiation poisoning sitting by a fire and like uh wow. somehow you know, just like the whole like like the the word huntsman like and the 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 images that it evokes of like you know people sort of self-sufficient out in the wilderness like with some sort of purpose or, or something that they're tracking like just felt really good so yeah well, going on with that, I, I was listening to that EP today, and Phoenix is insane. I absolutely love that song. The promise made us 
Thanks. I'm. I love like hearing what people have to say about it because it's so smooth. It like, like everything else, like everything else we've done, it's like so not heavy at all. It's hey, like a, you know exactly. Well, I love that, and that's the thing I loved about listening to you guys, like Canary King. You guys start off, you know, acapella. It's amazing. Yeah. Again, you know, that's, that's like fun. The, yeah. We're just every time we <clears throat> think about a new song, you know, half of it is us thinking about it really hard directly and the other half is just how the song just naturally comes about um and nobody is you know none of us are too metal to not you know do something delicate right and uh, you know vice versa too so yeah i think after that i think like a lot of uh, like we're all big just metal fans but there are no like you know, like diehard metal heads that are like that's not metal like <laughs> thank god because i mean like I, like God bless those people. Seriously, like no joke. But uh, it would be very hard for us to work with because we just like to do too many different things, you know. One thing I hear kind of a lot, actually, too, in one of our last shows, um, this guy came up and he had, you know, he was all studded out, like super, uh, super studded jacket with all the patches and all the shit. And he was like, you know, I, I normally only listen to black metal. But you guys are pretty good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, if we can win over this guy, I think yeah. we're all right. <laughs> you get an acceptance from the black metal community. <laughs> so I've only been able to hear two tracks off of the new album, Mandala of Fear. So it's Ride Out and then uh, A Nameless Dread. Yeah. So because the time we're recording this, the album hasn't come out yet. So yep. I can only listen to what I what I can get a pull out on uh, on Bandcamp. So, but those songs are so different from each other. Like I was saying before, you know, Ride Out could be like some Pelican meets Crosby, Stills, and Nash. It's amazing. Are there any other weird surprises on that album? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> this album is uh, is a fucking journey. I mean, awesome. It's a cohesive story and. Um, like I was saying earlier, you know, every song depicts something, um, in that story and kind of symbolizes different things throughout that journey that we're, we're trying to convey. It goes into, uh, you know, the crushing, like super metal parts, like a nameless dread. And also these really pretty delicate things like parts of ride out and a couple other songs on the, uh, the album too. Um, which is basically by design. I mean, Chris, you could probably speak to that a little bit more too. It, yeah, it just sort of like depends. Um, I don't really, uh, when I'm kind of like coming up with, uh, initial riffs and, and lyrics and so on, uh, I really don't constrain myself a whole lot, you know? Um, okay. this has to be the style. Like I definitely, uh, it kind of goes back to like the whole, like the fact that like as a band, we really try not to do stuff worrying about, how it will come across and instead we just try and do it and sort of like do like a leap of faith thing with it, you know? Okay. Um, and so like, uh, the, like Mandala of fear is, uh, sort of supposed to follow the story of a, a soldier who essentially, uh, is in like deployed in this like desert war. It's like kind of unclear whether it's in the U S or in the middle East. And that's sort of intentional. And, uh, she just goes through like all this really horrific trauma, traumatizing, shit and uh and so there's a story arc and like if you ever just sort of like if you think about like a typical like month that you go through and you think about like your soundtrack for that month of shit you listen to it's not all just like slayer right right, right. you've got like some i don't know some like quieter music you've got some like oh i just need something to get me going music it's you like got some a, stuff that you don't want people to know you're listening to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally exactly right and like yeah. i think that like the honest thing to do is to just lay all that shit out on the table because we all do it and yep. like i'm i'm like I'm, I'm really tired of like you know people like going like that's not cool or that's inconsistent or something like that like this is like this is just how life goes it's like varied yeah weird and it's like erratic and it's spastic and like you get really like intense like depressing moments and you get like anxiety filled moments and sometimes you just like i don't know but you gotta get the idea so it sort of runs all over the place yeah 
you don't like like you're saying you don't have just one emotion you you've got a, a gamut of things you're feeling and and not one type of music is not going to fill all those all, all those needs you know yeah, yeah. You, not when i feel shitty you know maybe i want to hear some i don't know something horrible some some something really sad maybe i want to hear some swans i don't know maybe yeah, yeah. maybe i want to hear more but yeah no no yeah yeah exactly but, i agree yeah, yeah. But, and what, so one of the things that i thought was was really interesting was now that you mentioned what mandela of fear is about you've written a lot from the with the female perspective with a female uh protagonist so how does that come about is that is that intentional or is it just subconscious or i mean are you doing that to, uh to help the story is, or I mean, is it working better with a female lead over a male lead? Yeah. Here, if I roll with this one roll a little bit. It. Yeah. Um, I think that's uh, largely my doing a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> uh, there's like, there are a lot of reasons. So seriously stop me at any point, but I'll just start kind of like going through them. But, um, a big one is that, uh, I have just had a lot of, um, strong, like female role models in my life. Okay. Um, like my mom, for example, uh, she's just like a really like steadfast, like loving, loyal, like caretaking person. Um, and she was, you know, really like wonderful and gentle with me when I was like younger and all this stuff. But she also, um, was like this, like in the late sixties was like writing letters to the editor of the Richmond times dispatch, AKA the, the most racist drag in town. <laughs> You know, like about like basically about like the death of Martin Luther King Jr. and how like we should all like look at ourselves and like think about who we're trying to cut. Like she like she was like a warrior, you know, Wow. Uh, while like having this like side of taking care of me and, you know, in my family. And she was like also like this really successful professional uh, where she was like working in, in tech in the, in the banking industry for like many, many years. And she was just like managing teams of like programmers doing like all these like huge projects. And like, she would tell me stories about like bosses who like often were just like really like, you know, entitled men who would like tell her like, ah, well you have to do it this way. And she'd be like, well, I'm leaving if you don't listen to my correct advice. And they would like, yeah. (laughs) So like I, I view her as like a legit badass who's not only a, a badass, but like also has the ability to be like sensitive and empathetic. And so it shaped my idea of what strength is to not just like be the, you know, kind of like male concept of strength, which I also associate with. Like I grew up on like fighter jets and fucking knights and dragons and all that oh, yeah. shit of that. But like, it's just like, uh, I just feel like I have like my, my uh, concept of what strength can mean at its best is very broad spectrum, you know? Okay. Um, and so a lot of times when I think of like a character going through something really hard, um, I think of women because like their baseline is hard. Yeah. And, you know? Uh, and uh, like most women, I've without gone into tons of detail, most women I've talked to have survived really bad traumatic things, you know? Yeah. Um, and gone on to just be awesome, successful people and while bearing these burdens. Yeah. So when I think of people enduring, uh, oftentimes it's, you know, a woman or like a person of color, you know? Mm-hmm. So well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. I know my wife went through, you know, her childhood was horrific and, uh, we've, we've built a great life together. We have three kids and you know, she's, she's doing an amazing job. She works at a bank also. And, uh, you know, she's just working away through the, she's getting working away up and up and up and she's just doing fantastic. I'm so proud of her. So stuff yeah, like man. this really, really hits home to me when, when, you know, the, uh, the hero or, or the, is female because like you, she's a very strong, she's a very strong, uh, I don't want to say presence because of course she is. She's my wife, but you know, she, she's, uh, she has a very s- strong character. And so yeah. Yeah. you don't get to, you don't see, first of all, you don't see that in a lot of songwriting, but you really don't see it in a male dominated genre or band. So I, I think what you're doing is, is fantastic. Thanks for saying that, man. That means a lot. Yeah. Because like we just really, I mean, a, we don't care if people hate it. <laughs> <laughs> We like to know when people don't hate it. <laughs> yeah, I can. That makes sense. So, so the album's coming out in March, right? 
Yeah, yeah, March 13th. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be out. Are you guys planning on touring to support the album? Yeah, so we have um, we've kind of selected uh, a handful of Midwest shows as of now. That um, it's just kind of like cities that have been good to us in the past, and people keep asking us to come back. And we're we all have jobs and families and stuff. It's not uh, so easy for us to tour as much as a lot of other bands. So we yeah. kind of try to be strategic about it. Um, but that being said, we have that set up, <laughs> and then we are going to be heading to Europe in late April, May, and we're playing uh, Desert Fest. And um, <coughs> sorry. Um, that's got some pretty uh, pretty big names in there. Oh, yeah. Some amazing names. Corrosion of Conformity. Yeah. Uh, Masters of Reality, Conan, Witchcraft. Like, so many amazing bands. That is uh, incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah we're, we're super pumped. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um, the woman that puts it on kind of has been paying attention to us since American Scrap and only had like the most amazing things to say about us. So it was kind of just like, let's do it. Let's figure it out and let's go. That's um, awesome. Get some help and hopefully we'll have a tour together um, around those dates too, being worked on now. You know how it goes. <laughs> I've heard of it. Well, I've heard how it goes. I've never <laughs> yeah. toured myself. So I'm, a, yeah. I'm the photographer of the, of the bunch. So I usually go out and I'm the one taking the pictures. So. Yeah, it's what I went to college for. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah. So are you, now, now you guys have played that the Brimming Horn that festival that they have party like it's seventeen thirty nine or whatever it is. Seven ninety three, seven thirty nine. Yeah, whatever, something like yeah. that. Plus, I think. Yeah. So, are you guys going to be around for that this year? Um, or are unfortunately, you... no, not this year. Yeah, we're not we're not not able to. Um, but we're definitely going to be back at some point. Awesome. Like we had so much fun the first time and they were so hospitable and put us up and fed us and got us drunk. It was amazing. That's oh, yeah. Awesome. So, all right. So now you guys have toured in the past. You guys have got to have some pretty crazy tour stories. Some, some weird shit happening at a show. I, Cause I did hear, and it wasn't a show that you were playing, but I did hear a story about, um, Chris, you taking out a huge guy at a mosh pit at a Red Fang show? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Uh, Mark likes to tell this. Mark story. likes to tell this story. Uh, <laughs> I love Mark. Uh, <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Cheers, man. Cheers. Uh, yeah. No, I. I don't know. Like, I think it's. Uh, we were very, very drunk. That was a Red Fang <laughs> show, and uh, I definitely like kind of hate like mosh pit dudes who just knock over people who like don't want to be knocked over. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be me. I don't, I don't, a lot of that. Yeah, I'm a short a guy. I'm like five foot six. I don't like being knocked uh, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these people can be real assholes about it, but. Uh, yeah, allegedly I like downed this guy, but I really don't remember that at all. So I, like, just let him tell the story, and I hope uh, maybe he won't watch this and like hear about that. But, yeah, well, no, we I, can have him come on and he can tell the story. Like a really long time, like I did like Muay Thai kickboxing and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and stuff like that. So I think that's like the the birthplace of the story, but I don't really get in fights, you know. Like I'm a pretty <laughs> chill guy. Well, have you have you guys had any interesting things happen while you're on stage or, or on tour? It's any any horror stories or just amazing, awesome stories? Um, well, the way we tour is pretty mellow, to, to be honest. I mean, we're kind of you know, we're not like we don't party super hard and get into situations that a lot of other bands probably get themselves into. <laughs> but that being said, I definitely have some personal like really dumb things that I've done on tours and with other bands in the past. Oh man. Uh, like we, I actually just told the story. Um, I forget it was for a blog. Mm. Oh, I'm such an asshole. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, we were playing, um, it was one of my old bands and we were playing this, um, this venue in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it was like really late at night, you know, it was like three when we got out of the show and all my friends had gone and it was pissing rain and we're like, whatever, find the closest, cheapest place. And it was like this Motel 8 or whatever. Oh, boy. It's like right down the street. Nothing and, good ever happens there. Oh, yeah. Well, this definitely was not good. <laughs> but, 
So we get in there and like, you know, two people go up to the front counter and they're like, well, we just need one room. It's just the two of us. Nothing weird here. (laughs) Meanwhile, there's like, you know, these like really gnarly, like drug dealer dudes outside and whatever. Um, So then they got the room and we try to, we immediately step out of the, um, the car and the lady comes up. She's like, what about the other 10 people that are getting out of your car? Okay. Fuck. So the, the 10 of us or whatever it was split into like two groups and the, some of the guys went to the one room and the rest of us went to the other one. And the one that, uh, I went into, we immediately walked in and it was just like freezing cold and I'm looking around and it is fucking disgusting. And there's like stains on the fucking sheets and there's like just going around. We tried to turn on the water. The water's not working. The heat's not working. And at this point I was just like, whatever, just make this go away. And I pulled the sheet like over my head and I was just like, I'm not here. (laughs) And, and barely, you know, got to sleep for like two hours or whatever it was. So we wake up the next morning and we are like getting breakfast and I'm talking to all the other guys in the other room. And I was like, God, that place was so fucking shitty. Like it was disgusting. I probably have like some weird disease now. And they're like, what do you mean, dude? Our room was pretty clean. Like our heat worked. We had water. Everything was fine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a disgusting story to end on. Yeah. No, Ray's, yeah, Ray's right, though. We don't like, I don't know. We Huntsman is pretty chill when, we, when we've been on the road so far. Just, who knows what the future holds. But one thing I think of, it's probably the best thing I can offer you, is that Mark loves recording his shits. <laughs> like, in oh. back. Rooms. like like not video recording thankfully okay, but good. like audio record <laughs> himself just like unleashing the worst ass ham you know and and then he'll send it to the band with like a title like new riff and it'll be like hey guys check this out <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like him just like sharding and giggling <laughs> like every we made on our oh my god we tour. stopped we stopped in kentucky and mark and i both went to the stalls next to each other and Mark is in there just like letting it rip like extremely loud. And I couldn't take it. And I just started laughing. I'm like pounding on the stall and like, I'm dying laughing so hard, like, you know, open mouth screaming, laughing. And then I open up the stall and there's like three old timers just standing there waiting to use the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Mark's like a, he's a big dude. And like when he's like, he gets so like pleased with himself. Like when he's like, like loudly shitting, he's just like, <laughs> like, like giggling like the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's a good time. <laughs> it's funny because uh, at work today, a friend of mine came out of the bathroom, and he's like, whoever was in the stall next to me was making the most horrific noises. And not just with their ass. It was like with, you know, they're, they're just like groaning and grunting. <laughs> and I thought, and, and here's my, this is my exact train of thought. I'm like, I told him, I said, I'm having this band called Huntsman. I'm talking to them tonight. We should record that and somehow make that into like some metal song. So I think, <laughs> and I swear to God that, yeah, I swear to God, you guys are a step ahead of us. But I, I swear that actually happened today. So, so uh, yeah, a three-part sharp mini. Yeah, we. Oh my god, we've, we've got shit metal in common. Yeah, <laughs> right, guys, man, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Where can people pick up the album? How they how can they find it? And how can they follow you on social media to get some news? Oh yeah, follow us on. You know, we're on the normal stuff: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can buy our album at our Bandcamp. You can buy it direct from Prosthetics Web Store. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. We we run the gambit. Um, Bandcamp. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Buy buy our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you, <laughs> and so you guys, you you just um, it's Huntsman on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there might be slight variations depending on who owns what domain names yeah. here and there. Yeah, you'll find us, you know. Yeah, I think basically if you look for like Huntsman Metal Chicago, you go wrong, yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, likewise. I'm really looking forward to hearing the new album, and I can't wait till it comes out. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, cheers.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 